Hey everyone, it is brilliant to be with you today. The super exciting news is that we have four sites happening today. So we have a new site that's just launched at Sabre Business Park on Enterprise Road, and then we have our other three existing sites happening. And so we're just so full of joy as a leadership team, uh, just at, at God building His church, seeing different leaders raised, different people serving, and ultimately, reaching more people in the city. And uh, I, my encouragement to you is uh, let's, let's be at church. Let's, let's get stuck in. It's amazing that we've had this opportunity to be watching online and to still be part of God's church through digital. And there's still a place for that, which is why we're going to keep doing what we do. But if you have any opportunity or you've got transport or any way to be at church, to be together face to face on a Sunday, um, go for it. So you can get in touch with the office to book your spot. You can check it out online. There's different directions and there's a form that you can fill in, but it will be amazing to see you there. The Sabre site has kids work happening. So you can definitely, if you've got children, that's probably a better one for you to be at. They're welcome at all the others as well. But we're just so encouraged. And in line with that, uh, when, when you're doing church in this sort of manner, and even as it, as it grows and, and more people come along, um, we, we just need you. We need you to serve in whatever capacity you have. Um, you may feel, I've got nothing to offer. I've got no giftings. I've, I've got nothing really. But I can tell you that whether you've got a smile on your face, whether you can pour tea, whether you can um, help look after babies, whether you think there might be something musical uh, within you, there's, there's space and there's room. Uh, God has a place for each of us in His great puzzle. We've all got a piece and we all fit together to build His church. So if you, if you aren't serving, if you sort of think, what do I have to offer? Get in touch with us as well. And uh, we would love to help put you into a place where you can serve. So it's just such a privilege to see God working amongst us. And uh, I would love us to pray as we dive into the message today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are building your church in the city and beyond. Thank you for all the different churches meeting, um, uh, both Harvest Churches and, and every other church in northern suburbs and beyond who are meeting today, uh, who, are, who are just fulfilling your great commission. Pray that you would bless them, you would encourage them. And ultimately, Lord, we want to see your kingdom advance in Zimbabwe. And so as we, we dive into your word for today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would he would challenge us to the core that Holy Spirit, wherever we are on the journey of faith, whether we know you, whether we don't, that we would hear you speak to us today in a powerful way. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I wonder if you've ever been in a place before or visited a place where it seems like no life could be there at all. All the signs of the area point to just desolation. Uh, it's a desert-like characteristics, but it just you, you sort of look there and you go, there could be nothing living here. Um, but then as you're there, something amazing is, is in existence. It's happening. There's life, almost an oasis in the middle of this place where there shouldn't be life at all. Some of you may have watched a, a, a pretty funny movie called Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Now, or Yemen, sorry. Now, that is completely fictional. I, I checked it out and a lot of other people had as well. But the whole story, and I probably will get it wrong. Some of you may know better than me, but, but people looked and scientists at working out how could actually you bring salmon fishing into a place like that with desert-like characteristics. How could that happen? And the, the whole movie is based around that in the middle of this landscape where you should never see it, you suddenly have this thriving uh, oasis of salmon and salmon traveling up rivers and in dams. Uh, it's, it, it's quite an amazing thing to look at. Some of you may have visited Dubai before. 
if you uh, look at Dubai, when you go to the tallest tower in the world that's now there or other places, they sort, of sh they, they sort of take you on this journey of Dubai through the years. And if you look back to Dubai, even in 1990, so sort of 30 years ago, it was very much just like a desert. Sure, there were a few buildings and a few roads, but it looks absolutely nothing to the thriving economic sort of center that it is today. In the middle of a desert environment, there is water parks and there is fountains and it just seems impossible, but there it is in that place. During one of my drives to university, so I studied in Cape Town. It's a fairly long drive. Uh, we used to drive back in those days, believe it or not, in a little Ford Laser and uh, driving from Harare all the way down there. Um, I remember I, I was taking uh, my brother-in-law uh, now uh, down there as well to university and he had friends in the Karoo who had a sheep farm. And so we, we, we're sort of driving through the Karoo. For those of you who don't know it, there's sort of these little bushes, Feinbos bushes around the place. And uh, then there's sort of mountains in the distance, but otherwise it looks pretty, pretty desert-like. It's boiling hot. So we're driving down and we, we have directions and suddenly at the sort of rickety type gate, farm gate, oh no, this is the place. And you can't see anything, it just looks like desert. So you open up the, we open up the gate and we drive down and uh, yes, there's the odd few sheep because that's pretty much all that, uh, <laughs> that can live there. Uh, lots of sheep farmers. So you, you sort of head down there and suddenly, as you come around this corner, you look down on the farmhouse and there is a grass tennis court and there's a swimming pool and there's lovely grass, but in this one tiny little patch in the middle of the desert super deep boreholes and water collection and this amazing oasis, this thing of beauty and sort of rose bushes and other plants, but all around it just desert as far as you can see. Barren landscape and then suddenly this, this thing of beauty, life where there shouldn't really be life is happening. Now, wh where am I going with these stories of the desert and the stories of oasis in the desert? Well, let's face it, in some would say, in many respects, that Zimbabwe, whether you look at it economically, politically, maybe even faith-wise, uh, if you look at it spiritually, could be almost a desert or desolate type place when it comes to living here. Now, I've had many conversations with family who live abroad in Australia or England, and even friends that we connect with in South Africa, who are just like, honestly, guys, Zimbabwe is like the Wild West. How are you guys still living there? I mean, you have opportunity to leave. You could be somewhere else. Uh, you know, why are you still in that place? All that we hear on the news and all that we hear around is that this place is just going further and further backwards. This place is harder and harder to live um, and the list could go on. And sure, there are things of beauty in Zimbabwe. So there are beautiful places um, that people still live in. There's still amazing schools. Um, people can still uh, generate wealth in, in, in the country. There's still a different style of life, a more relaxed way of life in this place. But for the vast majority, the vast majority in Zimbabwe, it could often be seen as a desert type environment. People have struggled for years and years and it could be seen like that. And I've also had many conversations with people in a spiritual sense saying it just feels a little bit weighed down. It just feels like maybe church life isn't thriving like it could be. It feels like spiritually I just feel sort of weighed down and I know I shouldn't be like that, but maybe over the years I've, I've just sort of become a bit deaf to what God's doing. It just feels a bit desert-like for me spiritually in this place at a time. And as Christ followers, that's what it can feel like. Maybe some of you here aren't Christians and uh, you're exploring faith. Keep exploring while we go through this message. We'll, we'll share more about decisions you can make later. But most definitely for Christ followers, maybe you could feel like your soul's been a bit grinded down, like you, you just aren't thriving spiritually and church isn't thriving spiritually 
as it could. And so here's the tension that we live in as Christ followers in Zimbabwe. Should we, one, settle for the status quo, kind of going, well, you know, church-wise and spiritual life-wise in Zimbabwe, it's just kind of going to be a bit blah, or it's going to be a bit, you know, just average and ordinary. You know, we live in Zimbabwe after all, just the fact that church is happening is a good thing. We could settle for that, the status quo, or we live in this tension of going, but we serve a supernatural God who does the impossible, and we could see him do that in different ways in Zimbabwe. And are we going to push towards this side or are we going to settle for this side? And we kind of live in this tension, maybe more than many other countries, because of what we face as a nation. Are we going to trust God for the impossible, for the oasis in the desert, for him bringing life where there shouldn't be life? Or are we going to go, it is what it is, and we're just going to kind of do what we have to do, but that is all it's going to be. Well, today I want to look at a, a, a book called Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And I want to look at a vision that Ezekiel had that God gave him. And I think there's so many parallels we can bring out for Zimbabwe. And I trust they'll give you boldness and courage and expectation for what God wants to do spiritually amongst us. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Ezekiel 37. The prophet Ezekiel 37. If you don't, don't worry, it's going to be up on the screen. And uh, God spoke to Ezekiel in, in, in amazing ways with a number of different visions. This is one of them, which could stand alone as a vision, but equally with what Israel had been through and Israel facing oppression um, for their sin and facing oppression for other places. Uh, this, this also ties in with sort of where Israel was at the time as well. So Ezekiel 37, I'm going to read a bit. We're going to go through it, get some points out of it, of what I feel God would say to us today. So let's check this out. Uh, Ezekiel um, verse 37, uh, in some of your Bibles, it might be entitled the Valley of Dry Bones. What picture does that bring? Isn't that an amazing picture to come out? So this is what it says. I'll, I'll start off. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me around all these bones. It's kind of a, a freaky picture. He led me around them. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. Talk about a picture, eh? Talk about a vision. Uh, imagine you, some of you may have seen sort of an elephant graveyard or seen pictures of that. Uh, my wife and I traveled to Cambodia a, a while ago and uh, th they faced terrible, terrible um, persecution as a people, the whole people. Uh, the Pol Pot regime, and you can go and see the places where, where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, were killed for no reason at all, um, terrible genocide, and you just see um, they've, they've built this tower of human skeletons to sort of commemorate what happened. And I sort of imagine for Ezekiel it being something like that to look at in the vision that he had. But a few things to bring out. It says the hand of the Lord was on me. See, before Christ came, what God would do is he would come on people at certain times for a specific purpose, but he would sort of come down and on people and on prophetic, uh, on prophets for, for specific times. Now that Christ has come, we have the opportunity to have Christ in us, to have the Holy Spirit in us, speaking through us. So in many respects, we have this amazing blessing, walking with God daily, almost maybe in a closer sense than others. But the hand of the Lord comes upon Ezekiel. And, uh, and, and he, he sort of comes on him and, and, and then it says there in the next process, and he brought me out by spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Don't you want to live like that? 
God bringing you out, God taking you on a journey, God, God being the one leading rather than you. You see, so often we don't live like that. So often it's like, no, God, I'm doing this, but you come with me. Um, I'm doing this, but I'm, I'm going to bring you along for the ride. With Ezekiel, it was God who brought him out. God talk, took him to this vision that he was taking him on. And I would love us to be living like that. You see, he calls us to serve him. He calls us to live for him and to fulfill the purpose he has for us. And he's the one drawing and we need to listen to him in the process. So the Lord places Ezekiel, uh, we could call him Zeke for short. That's what we used to do on the camps that we did, Zeke. We actually named one of our uh, trucks in the organization I ran after Ezekiel because we thought he was such an awesome prophet. So it was, it was lovingly called Zeke. Anyway, so God brings Ezekiel out. He sets him down in the middle of this valley, full of bones, loads of, the, loads of them. And to make matters worse, look at what it says there. This is such an interesting small thing. It was full of bones. He led me around them. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley. They were very dry. Now we could pass over this, but what, what he's really getting to is there is no life here at all. These aren't just bones. These aren't just recently dead. And there's maybe a few living people who've somehow survived. They're very dry. They've been dead for a long time. It's desolate. It's desert-like. There is absolutely no life there at all. I wonder why we can often feel like that in Zimbabwe. Why can we often feel dry as a bone, as it were, in this climate spiritually, maybe economically? Why can we often feel like that? Maybe about church, maybe about life in general. So often we were privileged recently to, to head to South Africa. It was such a blessing. But maybe some of you as well, you often hear people talking. It's almost like as you arrive in another country, as you drive through the border, as you land, it almost feels like, ah, I just have a little bit of a break from Zim. It's always great to be home. But we can often feel this sort of dryness and we, we arrive somewhere else and we suddenly feel this life that comes to us. Well, there's a few reasons that, that came to me, a few observations about why we can feel that about Zimbabwe spiritually and uh, maybe life-wise. One of them could be that Zim has been in a bit of a downward spiral, possibly since the 90s. So maybe 30 years of sparks of, of change and sparks of transformation, but economically on a downward spiral. And what that's done in church life as well, is it's led us church-wise to, to be just keeping going and really trying to go for it with God, but the economics taking its toll, um, life with people taking its toll. So, so that could be one of the things why we can feel that. Another one could be that we've experienced an immense brain drain. If we look at the, the diaspora living outside of Zimbabwe, the educated living outside of Zimbabwe, we have had a massive exit of people heading out of this place. Massive exit of it. Millions and millions of people who in many respects would have the ability to serve in churches, great musicians, we're just talking about that and needing more musicians, um, but, but from economics to other things, we, we've, we've, we've experienced a huge brain drain and that leads to a real sense of hopelessness as well. Now I believe that there's still loads of capacity in Zimbabwe. I believe if you're here and you're, you're watching, if you're listening, God wants to use you. You've got gifting you don't believe that you have. God wants to use you right now in this process, but it's something we can think on. I think people can also feel worn out after the ongoing toil of life, the on, ongoing dealing with trying to run a business, with trying to do things ethically. You can feel worn down. Maybe for others, resources have been depleted. We know for, for a number of the elderly here who had various different investments, hyperinflation wiped that, they're now reliant on others, but there's been a real depletion of resources for many different people. I think a lot of people spiritually have gone, but Lord, it feels like we've prayed for change personally and spiritually and economically for a long time, and it just feels like 
You're not really answering our, our prayers in many respects. That can also wear you down spiritually as well. And maybe for a number of people, it's been, well, I'm living in Zim, but if I have another opportunity to leave, then I'm out of here. So I am here, but I'm not putting down my roots forever because what happens if there's a better opportunity or if something opens up to get me out of Zim, I'm out of here. And so what that does is that prevents us from really giving everything to God where we're at. So there's many other reasons of why we could feel a little bit like dry bones, feel a bit desert, like those are just a few where we could maybe place our, our, ourselves feeling slightly like Israel at that time, slightly like what Ezekiel saying. Then look at what God says in the process. He then, uh, he takes Ezekiel to this place. Um, and then in verse three, he says, then he said to me, then God said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord, only you know. Can these bones live? Only you know. And then uh, God says uh, to me, Ezekiel, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I'll put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And that's quite an amazing thing for God to say to Ezekiel in a vision, nevertheless. And I'm sure it was just as real as real life to Ezekiel in that process. So this is so interesting. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord, only you know. You see, Ezekiel knew that God could raise the dead. He had seen that, right? But it sort of seems easier for God to raise someone from the dead who's recently died. If we fast forward to the New Testament, it sort of seems easier for God to raise um, someone from the dead who just a few days, you know, dead to bones. That, that, that's a little bit of a different level of faith, right? To rise from the dead who's just been pronounced dead in a traffic accident to bones, dry bones. Anyway, so I love Ezekiel's answer. Lord God, only you know. I think in that moment he was like, I don't exactly know how I should answer God, but you know, he's told me, you know, can these bones live? And I'm kind of going, well, God, you're, you're sovereign, you're in control. So uh, only you know, God, it's kind of a safe bet for him to do. So, so, so that's what he does. Then, then God says to him, prophesy concerning these bones. Now prophecy is God's word into a situation. Prophecy is God saying, this is what I'm saying to you. You say this as well. That's, that's a prophetic word. We don't make up prophetic words. We don't go, oh, I'm just going to prophesy into this. I'm going to prophesy into this. No, no, God, God speaks to us and we speak it beyond as well for it to be his word. So God says to him, this is what you need to do. Um, prophesy to these bones, to these dry bones. And this is what you say. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I, um, this is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you'll live. I'll put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, cover you with skin, and the list goes on. So God's like, Ezekiel, I know you might be doubting me right now, but my word is these things are going to live and you need to say this. And this reminds me a little bit of Genesis. If you think about Genesis, how God created Adam, right? Formed him out of the dust of the earth. There was nothing living. But he started to form him. He started to put him together. He started to create a body out of nothing. That's what it reminds me of. So this is God very clearly wanting Ezekiel to move into the impossible life, right? Ezekiel said, physically, these bones are dead, God. Can they come to life? Well, you know. God could have left it there. Ezekiel was stating the situation. But then God takes it one step further. He says, no, Ezekiel, actually, I want you to step into the realm of the impossible. I want you to step into my world. I want you to step into my kingdom where what looks impossible to man is possible for me. That takes trust and faith on our part. 
It takes God's leading. Now, we're not little gods who can walk around and, and sort of get God to do whatever we want, right? So we can't just walk into situations and be like, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this. No, he, he's, he's God. He's the one taking us on the journey. But when God speaks to us and calls us into the impossible, when he's leading us, then we get to be a part of his supernatural life. Then we get to listen to him and then he brings about healing in people's lives. He brings about transformation. He brings about change in people's lives like what he was about to do with Ezekiel. So we're God's children. We're listening for his voice. We're following his leading. And if we're willing to risk our status, to risk our comfort, to risk things Maybe us not hearing right from God and God not coming through in the way that we thought. Um, if we're willing to risk our pride, what people might think of us, us being in control of our lives, then he will use us just like he wanted to use Ezekiel in that moment. But the first step was Ezekiel saying, okay, I'm going to do this, God. This may seem crazy. This may seem impossible. I'm not even sure if I believe it, but I'm going to go for it because you say. And that's exactly what he did. So God told him to say this. And uh, then if we look a little bit further in verse 7, so I prophesied. I listened to God. It seemed a little bit crazy what God was asking, but so I prophesied as I had been commanded. Isn't that amazing? God asked me to do it, so I did it. What, a, what an amazing uh, way to go. So I prophesied as I'd been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. Can you imagine that? Rattling as these bones start to move and shake. And the bones came together bone to bone. I would love to see that. That would be incredible to see, eh? So bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Well, maybe at this point in time, it'd be a bit like a horror movie. But you know God's there, so you're going to be okay. Even if these things come for you, you're going to be all right because God's creating it. So bone to bone. And then as I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So God's starting to do this miraculous work. Ezekiel can see stuff happening. Maybe he's a little bit freaked out. Is God really doing this? But no life has come to them yet. So now you imagine this valley. There's these beings formed. There's these people formed, but no life. I don't know if they're still lying there. I don't know if they're standing, probably lying down because they don't have any life. But they are lying there, a freaky sight. Maybe more freaky than the bones, actually, because they look like they've recently died. So anyway, that's what they look like. So he saw God work, but not completely. Can I challenge you? That when God asks you to do something, if you don't see results instantly or you don't see everything happen instantly, don't give up. See, God is so good. He's always wanting to build our faith and he'll give us these sparks. He'll give us a little bit of spark of breakthrough. And then so often we can go, ah, but God, you didn't really do 100%. You know, it's kind of just like 60%. So were you really working? You know, maybe it was coincidence. Is he could have felt like that, right? But he didn't feel like, he, you know, so he might have been thinking that, but we can so easily stop at that point. The first step is listening to God, stepping out. And even though Ezekiel didn't see life, he's like, God, it's kind of half, half miraculous. He didn't stop there. So when it comes to your life, when it comes to church life, when it comes to serving, when it comes to your business, maybe you're praying and you start to see God doing something and then it sort of seems to halt. Don't give up there. Thank God. God, I get to be part of what you're doing and then go a little bit further. So now, God takes him on the next step, the next bit of the journey. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breathe or, or breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. 
So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. Again, you see this um, war picture of Israel being taken out by their enemies. And now you, you, you see the picture come a little bit more where these non-living people are, are there probably covered in a bit of armor. You know, some of them, you, you know, have, have, have sort of got some war wounds, those sorts of things. They're sort of lying there, but they haven't come to life. So... God gives the next little bit of direction. He says, I'm not finished yet. I'm going to bring life to these people. I've been doing miraculous things, but I'm going to do even more. And this again is the picture of, of creation, right? It's this picture of Adam, lifeless. And then what does God do? God breathes life. He gives his supernatural spirit. He breathes life into Adam. And so he says to, um, to Ezekiel the same thing. Now, the next step is that, you know, call and prophesy these different things to happen and I am going to bring life. And so they get up and imagine the scene of a huge army. And uh, they would have had their military gear on. They would have been stretching out across this valley, this amazing army ready to serve God. This incredible army ready to listen to the ultimate commander that's been brought back to life. I imagine all this perfect symmetry. I imagine them ready and maybe stances ready for battle. Why war? Well, because of the fact that God doesn't just heal us, restore us, transform situations for ourselves. It wasn't just for those people to, to come back to life. No, it was because they had a job to do. They had work to do for his kingdom. You see, our faith is not a selfish faith. Our faith isn't that God loves us so much, He wants to heal us, He wants to provide for us, for it to end there. No, not at all. He's working in our lives for us to fulfill a purpose for Him and for His kingdom. There's a greater purpose. You see, we are in a battle, as Israel was. Paul says in Ephesians, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. I was just chatting uh, to a friend who we shared um, on, a, on, on a group that we're on before, a leadership group um, that, that we're on, and he was just saying, guys, this week it feels like, man, just everything seems to be hitting me from all different angles. It feels like the strangest things are going wrong, but he's like, I, it just feels like I'm in a battle. That's how we can feel often as Christ followers because there are two realms happening even as we speak now. Yes, there's the earthly sense, but God's kingdom is not of flesh and blood and there's warfare happening right now all around us. So we need to see life in this dimension and God brings his kingdom. He brings healing, he brings restoration, he grows his church, not for us to just sit back in comfort, but for us to do his work for us to live for him and be part of what he's doing. You might say, but how, Craig? What do you mean? I'm, you know, this military picture, this picture of Ezekiel, how? What's it supposed to look like? What, what should I be doing? Well, it's really simple, like what Ezekiel did. We listen for, for God's voice. We obey him when he tells us to do stuff. We, we follow him on the journey he has for us. We walk in obedience regardless of the, the cost. And each day we're open to what he's saying to us. That's how we live radically for him. That's how we do it, just by listening, by acting, by following him. Then this end part that we pick up on the story. Uh, so let me just go over, it, over to it. Um, verse 11, then he said to me, Son of man, these dry bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We're cut off. Maybe that's how some of you feel today. That's what Israel felt like. They felt like they were knocked down and um, they'd been you know, oppressed by their enemies. Maybe you're feeling like that as well today. Therefore, God says to him, verse 12, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people. Now, listen, what we need to bear in mind is that he's already brought them to life, right? So they're already living. So this is an amazing picture 
of even the resurrection to come one day. It's one of the beautiful pictures in the Old Testament of what God will do one day in resurrection. So he says, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from there, my people, lead you into the land of Israel. It's a blend of earthly Israel and, and heaven to come. You will know that I'm the Lord, by, Lord, the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. I've spoken, I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. So this is a beautiful picture for us. Living in tension, wanting to see oasis in the desert, uh, not wanting to settle for the status quo, God challenging us to go hard after things, but knowing things are never going to be perfect. We're never going to see heaven on earth. Uh, things are going to get harder. Things are going to get tougher, but we're going to see sparks of God working. In this process, we have this beautiful picture of eternity to come. This beautiful picture of each of us as Christ followers. Whether we die now, however we die now, or whether we're here when Jesus returns, whenever that might be, this picture of Him raising us to life because of His Spirit within us and settling us in our land, heaven. That's where our citizenship really is. You may have a certain passport, but our citizenship is heaven. We're here for a short time, settling us there with Him. That is what we get to look forward to. This is where we'll live forever and where we will settle. And so we need to live each day knowing this isn't forever. Uh, Sarah and I recently moved house and as we were packing boxes we were sitting going why do we have all this stuff and we we're already thrown out lots and given lots away in preparation for the move we were like why do we accumulate this stuff I mean none of this is going with us in heaven it's not bad to have stuff but it was a challenge for us a reminder again that 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 we're passing through that this world is temporary there's no point building up you know um, resources and things here when when we can put stuff to use for his kingdom then that final reminder for all of us to know where it says there at the end, I'm the Lord God, I have spoken, and I will do that, and I will do it. What a great sense of peace and joy we can have when God says, I've got your back, I'm more powerful, I know what I'm doing in this world, and what I say will come to pass. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that refreshing? Isn't that an amazing sense to live in? So where does this leave you and I, and then we'll pray. Where does it leave you and I? I think there's a few challenges that God has for us as we go through this. Firstly, will you be part of his army in Zimbabwe? You're gonna have a different role to play. You're a different piece of the puzzle, but will you and I be part of his, his army in Zimbabwe or will we settle for the status quo? Question one, will we be part of his army or will we settle for the status quo? Second one, will we put our hands up and be counted or not. What I mean by that, so yes, we say yes to be part, being part of his army, that's fine, but physically, will we get involved? Will we get involved or will we leave it to others? Next question. Third one, will you and I give ourselves for things of eternal value or will we aim to live a life of spiritual comfort and selfish faith? So will we give our lives for things of the kingdom? Will we, will we lay down our lives for the things of the kingdom, whatever that looks like, or would we rather live for spiritual comfort and selfish faith it's easy to do we all struggle with it final one will you and i trust god listen for his voice and step out in obedience will we live like that daily listening for god's voice whatever that looks like sending someone a message helping out serving whatever that looks like will we do that and step into the impossible and see dry bones live will we be part of that army and see dry bones live or will we leave it to other people? Will we block ourselves to God's voice? Will we say, God, that just sounds a little bit too impossible. I don't think that's really you talking. I don't think you've asked me to do that. 
Will we shut out his voice or will we open ourselves to his voice? Let's pray together quickly. Holy Spirit, thank you for this amazing challenge to us. Many of us may be feeling dry in certain places, maybe personally, maybe spiritually, maybe about the nation. But thank you, God, that when you get involved in a situation, things happen. When you get involved in our lives, things happen. When you get involved in our relationships, things happen. When you get involved in church, things happen. But we have a choice. Maybe some of you today are saying, well, it's been great to listen to this, but I don't even think God's Spirit is within me. Love you to get in touch with us where, you know, there'll be the contact details um, on, the, on the bottom of the link. Love you to get in touch and say, hey, I'd like to know more about what it means to, to have God's Spirit within me, to give my life to Christ. Maybe for others today, it's, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to say yes to you and no to a selfish faith. Father, wherever you need to speak to us, wherever you need to challenge Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do that right now, in this moment, as we sit quietly before you, as we listen for what you'd say to us. Father, we don't want to settle for the status quo. We know there's a spiritual battle. We know you've called us to see your church advance in Zimbabwe, and we want to be part of it. We want to stand and be counted. So please help us in this process, God. And as a result, I'm excited, I'm expectant to see dry bones live, to see an army raised, to see life change happen, to see an oasis in the desert. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I'm excited. I hope you are too. Um, I, I pray and I, I look forward to hearing testimonies of you stepping out of faith, to seeing church continue to grow, to seeing testimonies of personally God doing stuff in your life. Um, and so we can't wait to be together next week. We hope face to face at one of those four sites. If you need more information on that or how you can serve or how you can be involved, get in touch with us. We would love to help you in that process. And otherwise, have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much.